this is the backstory portion of our program. And that's our chance to, you might say, kind of look back behind the curtain to learn about the story behind the story and the story behind the storyteller. And so I'm here with Bill Thompson. Bill and I first met when we were roommates freshman year in Brat Pratt Hall at Amherst College in Massachusetts. <laughs> Bill and I and Hank Cox shared a triple dorm room. Bill, I don't think they even have triples anymore at Amherst or anywhere as far as I know. Yeah. So no. this is the backstory. Um, and tonight uh, we're gonna have our the conversation with Bill. And again, thank you for that great story. Uh, and I wanna kind of jump ahead. Your career was in the law and kind of as a coda to the story you told, you almost weren't a lawyer um, yeah. and almost didn't have the chance to practice law. So I wonder if you could uh, just tell us a little bit about that story. Yeah, um, so during law school, I was arrested four times and convicted a couple of times, um, including uh, on a pretty serious misdemeanor charge in, in New York State. And I was arrested in, uh, also in uh, Michigan for a takeover of a Nike missile base, which is a long story. Um, and uh, when I finally got to uh, the bar, in, and fortunately, I was admitted to the bar in New York, which was a much more sophisticated place. Uh, they had a character committee that you had to pass. Uh, so I had passed the bar exam, but then I had to go to the character committee. And obviously the character committee had my record, which was an interesting one at that point. Um, and I spent about an hour and a half with 310 year old men. Um, I mean, they, they were all men back then and they were, they seemed like really, really old. Uh, the last question that I was asked was, are you prepared to disavow civil disobedience as an attorney? And the, by the way the question was asked, I knew that if I said no, I wasn't gonna be a lawyer. If I said yes, I was gonna be a lawyer. So um, I decided to say yes. And, uh, and I've been true to that ever since. I've never committed uh, civil disobedience since then, done a lot of other stuff, but um, that was the price of admission. Well, I wanna talk a little bit about the relationship between law and storytelling. A couple of years ago, we had a lawyer, John Tilley, some of you remember John Tilley from Texas, and he talked about the relationship between storytelling and the practice of law. And I wonder if you could kind of give us your take on that. Um, yeah, um, I mean, I was a trial attorney. Um, I guess I didn't know that. Yeah, you were a trial yeah. attorney. Yeah, I mean, I was in the civil, in, in, it was labor law. So I did a lot of, of labor cases, you know, people that were fired, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, law is when you're, when you're in, a, in a courtroom or in a hearing, the whole thing is being able to tell a coherent story. And um, one of the reasons why I stood up to tell my story is because I'm used to standing up and making oral arguments. Uh, so it was just sort of the same process. 
Um, so the preparation of a law of a case is creating a, a storyline. Obviously, it has to be true, uh, but putting the facts together in such a way that gets the interest and attention of the jury or the trier of fact. So the experience of this is the first time I've done a story like this, you know, publicly, but it really didn't feel very different than what I'm used to doing. It was just my own facts this time. <laughs> <laughs> now, recently you've done work with uh, uh, migrants in terms of immigration law. Yeah. It seems, strikes me that there's an aspect, an element of storytelling involved in that as well, kind of critical storytelling, yeah. would you say? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I specialize in something called U-Visas, which is, uh, people who are undocumented in the United States who are victims of crime. Uh, and it's usually um, uh, abuse. Um, uh, you know, the, the, their, their uh, partner abuses them, et cetera. Um, and the, the core of the U visa case is the story of what happened to them. Um, and you really have to uh, try to to get the attention and the sympathy of the the official who's going to make a decision on whether or not the U visa is granted, and the person goes from undocumented and subject to removal to actually having legal status in the United States. The whole thing is based on on the story. And did you have trouble getting the stories out of the clients that you worked with? Was that difficult, um, or does that come pretty easily? Yeah, I mean, I think I've been doing, I've been working with people who are under a lot of stress for whatever reason for most of my career. So I, I think I have an ability to um, sort of make people feel at ease. It, it's more difficult because my Spanish is not good. So I have to use translators. So I, I actually have a translator that I usually am working with who is fantastic at, and, and, it's, and it's a woman, which helps too. Um, at putting people at ease. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny until we had this conversation, I never really put it all together that everything I've ever done has really been telling stories. That is amazing. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> well, to shift gears entirely, um, you also developed, uh, uh, as I guess you'd say, an avocation, uh, an interest in Russian Orthodox Christianity Amateur Art Iconography. Let's put that <laughs> into an acronym. Yeah. yeah, no, can't do as it. As far as I know, you never had an art course at Amherst or anywhere else. No. no. So how did this come about? And I guess the, the point here, part of the point is, it sure seems like iconography is all about storytelling. It is about storytelling. And I sort of started doing it when I would go on retreats and I just sort of had this urge to start to draw stuff. And it sort of came out of nowhere. And it's been going on for about six or seven years now. And um, so I've, I've taken iconography courses and I'm under a, a, a master iconographer who's a, a pretty well-known Russian who got kicked out of the Soviet Union before the end of the Soviet Union. And uh, so she's taught me a lot. Um, uh, but it, 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 iconography is telling the story of the uh, whatever is being depicted. 
because it's from an era when pictures were the main way that people learned about the stories in the Bible, the gospel stories, stuff like that. Um, so the what the, the way the picture is designed, what's what's in it, the colors, it's all part of a, a communication methodology, and and the people, the the lay people who would come into the church were sort of clued in to what was going on because of the way pictures were drawn, the colors that were used. So it's a very ancient tradition. And you have a whole other uh, separate career as a spiritual director. And I think probably we don't have time to go into that. <laughs> so we'll just have to have you back another time to tell another story and do a little bit more backstory work as well. Um, I enjoyed this it. This does bring us to the end of our conversation. Uh, I, again, thank you so much for your story and for our conversation. And I do hope we can get you back. I'm sure you have more stories to tell. And perhaps we get some of our other Amherst and spouses, colleagues to tell some stories as well. So this also brings us to the end of our program. Our thanks to our True Tales Live team, whose names you will see on the credit scroll and a round of virtual applause for them, please, too. You can keep up, keep up to date with True Tales Live through our website, through our Facebook page, and our e-newsletter, True Tales Times, which you can sign up for on our website. As Amy mentioned, our next show is Tuesday, April 27th, the last Tuesday of the month. And the theme there is Lessons Learned, and we hope that you will zoom into it. Our next workshop is a week from today, April 6th from 7 to 8.30. And if you are considering a story, we encourage you to attend a workshop, uh, which you can sign up for on our website. Our story uh, program, True Tales Live story program is edited by John Lovering and tonight's show will be posted on PPM TV's YouTube website relatively soon and broadcast on PPM TV. Tell your friends to look for that. So just before we go, Bill, we sometimes like to, or almost always like to ask our tellers if they have a, <clears throat> about a 30 second tip for newbies or people who are thinking about telling a story, what would you recommend? Uh, I would recommend uh, write it out and edit it and then practice it until you don't have to look at the paper. Thank you so much. Again, thanks to our tellers and our True Tales Live team. Thank you to our audience near and far. My name is David Frainer. Thanks and good night.